Hello, it's me. Before the top of this podcast, I just wanted to make a note about the audio quality. For some reason, the microphone, the main microphone that I record into didn't kick in. Fortunately, the backup microphones were working. So the quality of this episode of the podcast isn't going to be up to the standard of the typical audio quality that you hear on other podcasts. I tried to clean it up as much as I can. It's not too terrible, but I just wanted to apologize I think I've got it sorted out for the next time, but for this episode, it's gonna we're gonna do some uh, we're gonna get back to some old school, you know, make it sound like I'm on the road on a mountain recording a podcast or or something like that. All right, it's not too bad. Give it a listen. Uh, thanks for putting up with it and uh, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad, Anul Polat. Well, welcome back to the podcast. It's an interesting week in terms of travel and tech, as it often is. But this episode, I want to talk about passports, why you probably won't be getting one for your vaccine or travel anytime soon, especially if you're in the United States. Then I want to talk about what you shouldn't do when you finally do get on a plane some things that you should avoid straight from a flight attendant's best tips. Then I've got a story about an interesting use of drones in Turkey. And finally, a happy story for you. Not that any of these other stories aren't non-happy, but here's especially one that, that might put a smile on your face. But uh, before we get into any of that, I want to talk just a little bit, catch you up on some drone news. I just posted a video about the Mavic Mini 2 but DJI, literally a few minutes ago, right before I started recording the podcast, just released the Mavic Air 2S, which is the successor, or really just sort of an upgraded version of the Mavic Air 2, which came out last year. Now, this is a smaller drone in between the Mavic Pro and the Mavic Mini. It's a great drone for a lot of reasons, but the newer 2S comes with a larger sensor photos from this uh, newer sensor are very impressive. The videos are two. I haven't seen a ton of test footage, but just from a quick glance, it looks quite amazing. So if you are looking for that smaller drone, don't want something as big as a Mavic series, then the 2S might be for you. But the price has also increased as well. But I just wanted to share some of that. My thoughts are basically DJI has a habit of doing this. So they have that with the, the Pro line with the Mavic line as well. I think if you're at $1,000 and unless space and size is a major concern from you, it seems like you should probably just go with the Mavic. But if space and size are important to you, then I would just drop down still to the Mavic Mini 2, which I recently reviewed. I've had a lot of time to use the drone now. And for those of you who don't know, I've been trying to shrink down all of my gear over the last, really over quarantine, but really over the last few months. I realized that I carry a lot of stuff, a lot of heavy gear, and I've been trying to shrink that down because if you've seen my video on the shrinking gap between power and portability, the gadgets, the things I want, the electronics are doing what I want them to do, but they're now smaller. So I've got now a smaller camera. So we've got the smallest full-frame camera in the Sony a7C. A couple of years ago, that kind of system would have been a lot larger would have been heavier. Now I can get that in a much smaller camera. And the same thing with drones. So I carried the Mavic series for years and it's a small drone. At the time it was 
tiny you know, when, it, when it came out. But since then, the, there have been several iterations, the Air 2, and now the Mavic Mini, which is basically has the footprint of a smartphone. So it literally can fit on my iPhone, it can fit on the screen, and it weighs under 250 grams at 249 grams, which is right under the registration limit for most countries around the world. It's so tiny and so small. The price is also really good if you have a habit of crashing it into things, which a lot of, I know a lot of us who fly drones will crash them into a tree on some occasion and we'll have to get a new one or go through the repair process. But all those things really make the drone and the Mavic Mini 2 a great drone. I think if you travel, the footage from this drone is great. You know, I'm kind of somebody who's really crazy about specs. I want the highest photo and video quality. I go overboard a lot of times with a lot of the electronics that I get. It's a lot more than I need typically, but I'm into that. So I, I tend to, to go and get things that are gonna last a long time and be more powerful than I might need at the moment. And when I went to the Mavic Mini 2, I was a little bit worried that the footage wasn't gonna hold up. This is a smaller drone, but it can fly in conditions, the same wind conditions as the Air 2. It's rated as, you know, it has the same rating. And the footage is really good. It's hard to tell apart from the Air 2, honestly. So for me, it's been sort of an awakening. I think, and this might, you know, when travel resumes again, I've got a couple of projects that I am tentatively planning right now. I've been planning them for a while, but it looks like they might happen this year. I'm going to be switching up all of the gear that I use to do that. And I think I'm going to be prioritizing portability over power just to be able to get access and do things easier than I would be with larger gear. There's a teaser for what might be coming up. It's looking like a very, very busy second half of the year, assuming that travel does, you know, resume somewhat normally, I think. But speaking of travel resuming normally, I want to talk about vaccine passports. Now, we touched upon that a little bit in the last episode, but since that last episode came out, there was this uh, declaration by the Biden administration in the United States. So as of the last few days, the White House has ruled out an introductory mandatory federal COVID-19 vaccination passport system saying citizens' privacy and rights should be protected. Vaccine passports have been introduced or at least proposed in a lot of countries around the world. You see that a lot in Europe. Asia is taking this up as well in a couple of places. I know China is rolling out their own system as well. And we've seen smaller vaccine passports taken up in the U.S. by different states. I mentioned New York has one in the last episode. But when it comes to uh, a vaccine passport at a federal level, it, this article in the BBC says the U.S. said it did not want to support a, quote, system that requires Americans to carry a credential. Addressing reporters, the White House press secretary said there would be no federal vaccinations database or federal mandate requiring everyone to obtain a single vaccination credential. The quote, the government is not now nor will be supporting a system that requires Americans to carry a credential, unquote. The White House goes on to say, quote, our interest is very simple from the federal government, which is Americans' privacy and rights should be protected and so that these systems are not used against people unfairly. And like I mentioned, internationally, England has taken up a sort of COVID status certification scheme. The European Union is as well. 
But since that time, the World Health Organization has also come out recommending against vaccination passports for travel specifically. Quote, we at the WHO are saying at this stage, we would not like to see vaccine passport as a requirement for entry or exit because we are not certain at this stage that the vaccine prevents transmission. WHO spokesman Margaret Harris said, she also said, aside from those questions, there is the question of discrimination against people who are not able to have the vaccine for one reason or another. So it looks like the WHO and the United States, at least at a federal level, is leaving this up to private entities and states. They're letting them develop their own vaccine passports. And I suspect that their reluctance to issue such a scheme is because they know that they're not going to have to worry about it because the states and airlines and countries around the world are going to require that of travelers. Now, for those of you who've traveled in parts of Africa, parts of Southeast Asia, South America, tropical regions, you know that a yellow fever vaccination is generally required. So you've got to have proof of vaccination in your passport. A lot of countries that require this, they might require that for malaria as well. Depends on where you're going. So the concept of a vaccine passport is not that unusual, but what is unusual is how widespread this would be. This is the first time really that uh, something requiring vaccination passports for most people around the world would be required. And what do these vaccine passports look like? Well, The Verge says, despite its name, the vaccine passport wouldn't likely be a little booklet you present to immigration officials when you cross an international border. Rather, the most probable concept is a mobile app with a scannable barcode that shows your vaccination status. The app could also allow you to check the requirement entries for a country, possibly after you upload your itinerary and hold the status of your last COVID-19 test and maybe some other health information. There are currently multiple apps in development all around the world. And it seems, like I mentioned last time, that we're going to have to be carrying or using multiple apps depending on where you're going in the world. And one of these biggest ones in development right now is from the International Air Transportation Association, a trade group based in Montreal that represents 290 airlines around the world. The IATA is developing an app called Travel Pass that would allow users to upload documentation to prove vaccination status. It would also allow passengers to check health entry requirements for countries they plan to visit and find COVID testing centers and so on. And they're going to use this travel pass to incorporate biometric information such as a thumbprint or facial recognition to prove your identity. The IATA says 23 airlines are currently testing travel pass. If you're curious what those airlines are, let me shoot out some of the names. Qantas, Singapore Airlines, Virgin Atlantic, British Airways. Those are some of the ones that have been testing travel pass. And it looks like if travel pass does gain enough momentum. If enough airlines get under it, you might need one vaccination passport for the airlines. That would be great, but there's another one in development by Clear, which helps you speed through security at US airports. It's sort of a fast track to getting through security, but they're pushing their own app called Health Pass. It recently partnered with the Commons Project Foundation to collect and manage vaccination records. The Commons Project Foundation, working with the World Economic Forum, also has its own app common pass that could link iOS and Android health apps. There are a lot of different apps and vaccination passports in development. And I'm going to be guessing it's going to be a little bit of a mess as these things start to roll out. Now, which vaccines would qualify? This is also something that has come up when it comes to developing a vaccination passport. 
So, for example, if you're flying to Denmark where, let's say, AstraZeneca is no longer in use or no longer being given to the public due to health concerns, but you have the AstraZeneca vaccine, does that mean that you're then vaccinated according to Denmark? Or do you have to get one of the vaccines like Pfizer or Moderna that they've been giving out? We don't know because nobody's really come up and answered those questions. Those things are still in development. Those are things that are have to be decided on yet. And speaking of Denmark, they and Sweden have uh, nice, nice that Denmark and Sweden are getting together, uh, getting along so well. Uh, yeah, so they're coming up and developing their own vaccine passports for travel. Estonia, of course, Estonia very well known in the sort of in the digital world. Unsurprising that they are working with the WHO to create their own solution. Greece, Spain, Cyprus are eager as well, and so on, and so on. I'm going to guess this is going to be something like social networks to give you sort of an example. One of these apps is going to break through the rest. One of these are going to hit a critical mass of users where the other ones are slowly going to start to die or just become very niche for very specific destinations that don't want to enroll in the larger things. So, you know, imagine Facebook. You know, when there was a couple of social, I guess, MySpace, right? Yeah. So when there were a couple of these things floating around, eventually one of them hits a critical mass where they have so many users that it siphons off users from smaller, smaller user bases. And I think that's what's going to happen with these travel vaccine passports. I think it looks like everyone's leaving this up to the airlines, which... I don't know about you, but it uh, does not make me very confident that this is going to be rolled out in any kind of organized manner. I mean, have you have you ever dealt with the with the airlines? <laughs> have you ever called their customer service? So it does kind of make you wonder how this is all going to get rolled out. But I think for now, it's just sort of an in-development thing that's probably going to take up to a year. I mean, first of all, you've got to develop something, the app. So going from the development side, like, how do you pull the vaccination information? Like, I, let's say I just get vaccinated, right? Do I upload my card somewhere? Does somebody check that? There is there a database? U.S. is saying they're not maintaining a database of vaccinations. How do I prove that I'm vaccinated? I can easily forge a card. What is the proof to make all of this work? I think all of those things need to be considered. And for privacy concerns, you know, there are ways that that can be implemented, that can anonymize all of this, that can make it safe and secure. I say that from my soapbox as a, as a cybersecurity expert, but I think the airlines and most governments are taking the more straightforward route, and it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out and whether or not this is a bit of a health, sort of COVID health security theater. You know, if we're just getting the theater of it all and, and and it's not actually saying whether or not we are actually vaccinated, um, but time will tell. Now, speaking of passports, this might be news to you, especially if you live in the United States, but the U.S. is not issuing any new passports unless it is a, quote, life or death family emergency. Now, the U.S. has stopped issuing new passports except for emergency purposes to help slow down the spread of coronavirus, the State Department asked Americans to avoid international travel due to the impact of coronavirus. And because of that, it says it will only offer passports to customers with a qualified emergency. Examples of an emergency include 
serious illness, injuries, or death to the immediate family. Applicants must require travel outside the U.S. within three days and will have to submit a proof of the emergency, such as a death certificate, a statement from a mortuary, or a signed letter from a hospital or medical professional. Applications received before March 19th will get processed, but after that, there is no set date on when passport applications will be processed from there. So it looks like those passports are on hold. So if your passport expired or is under six months um, and you applied or you will be applying soon in the hopes of traveling, you might be waiting a little while because the State Department right now has stopped issuing passports for Americans. So you might not be able to travel as soon as you like. So I would say if you do have a passport that requires renewal or it's expiring in six months, then you should probably just send it anyway. At least then you'd in theory be at the head of the line because I don't think a lot of people know about this or are going to realize it until they have to travel. So it might be right now or next week or in a few weeks where people are like, oh, I, you know, I'm planning that trip. I got my vaccination. I'm planning that trip to, to wherever, you know, in August, but my passport is going to expire in six months. A lot of people don't realize that too, that you've got to renew your passport before it gets within six months. Most countries require a passport that's valid for at least six months. I would just say, go ahead and send your passport. If it needs to be renewed, at least you would then hopefully be at the front of the line and you're going to be waiting anyway. So might as well be waiting in an office where somebody, as soon as the uh, freeze is lifted, somebody can take a look at it. Either way, if you've been missing traveling on a plane, to be honest, it's gotten better since COVID. I've taken one flight, I think one flight since this whole thing has started, one flight. And honestly, the experience was way better than it's been in the past because the airplane was way cleaner, the airport was emptier, I got through security faster, nobody rushed me to go through security since you know everyone had to wait in line for the first person ahead of them to get through security. I kind of enjoyed it. I'm not looking forward to to regular airports where they're just crowded and people are rushing you through security. I say that as somebody who has so many electronics. Literally, it is it's a nightmare to be behind me in the security line when I have to take out all of the things that I travel with. Anyway, so I came across Kat Kamalani on TikTok, right? Yeah, I'm on TikTok at Fox Nomad. I don't use it too often, but if you want to check me out, I'm there. She is a flight attendant and she's been making these videos about uh, what you should and shouldn't do on an airplane, kind of the secrets that they know, that the attendants know, that maybe passengers don't know. If you fly very frequently, you probably know these things already, but uh, this video has been viewed two million times. And Kat talks about the things you should avoid on a plane and she says rule number one never consume any liquid that is not in a can or in a bottle. She says those water tanks are never cleaned and they are disgusting. She says that most flight attendants rarely drink coffee or tea on planes since they are both made with the same hot water from the coffee maker machines which are rarely cleaned unless they are actually broken. Those machines, those water tanks are also located right by the laboratories. Anyway, uh, she says stick to bottled or canned water. Now, I found this article on Insider where they actually analyzed some of the drinking water on 11 out of 12 regional airlines in the United States. And it said, quote, the quality of drinking water varies by airline and many airlines have 
possibly provided passengers with unhealthy water. According to the study, a water health score ranging from five, which is the best, zero to the worst, was awarded to each airline based on 10 different criteria from positive E. coli and coliform water samples reports found in different on different planes. Any score above three indicates relatively clean drinking water, according to the study. And out of the 10 airlines that were studied, seven received a score under three, according to the study. So that means seven of those airlines had water that was considered not clean enough for drinking, which sounds pretty gross. And uh, I have stopped drinking water on planes a long time ago since I had first heard about this from, I don't know where I first came across it, but since I've heard that, I don't. I avoid the tea and I avoid the coffee. And for good measure, I avoid the food as well. Just uh, different reasons, not necessarily cleanliness, but a bonus tip, I feel like it helps with jet lag uh, when you get off the plane. So uh, I avoid the food. I just rough it. You know, I look at it like, all right, this is, I'm going to maybe eat on the ground at the airport. And then however long the flight is, I'll avoid the food, but I'll stick to bottled and canned when possible. Another interesting thing from this study, which I hadn't thought about is it also advises passengers not to wash your hands in the airplane bathroom, but rather to use hand sanitizer instead. And the reason for that is in the U.S. at least, those water tanks have to uh, be disinfected and flushed four times a year or disinfected and flushed once a year, but the tanks are tested monthly. But inspections by the Environmental Protection Agency in 2019 showed that, that due to a possible lack of enforcement by the EPA, there have been a lot of penalties that may have been missed in recent years. So chances are the water that is coming out of the faucet on the plane is also pretty gross. I'm guessing if you're washing your hands, maybe with the soap, I don't, I don't, I don't quite know. The article doesn't go into that, but uh, maybe just stick to a hand sanitizer instead. It's going to be easier. Now I started off this episode with some drone news. I want to get back to some drone news. A lot of drone news going on lately. I found this one on the Daily Sabah. Shepherding in 2021, this article is called Turkish Shepherds Herd Goats with a Drone. Now, the article talks about technology-savvy shepherd in Western Turkey uses a drone to herd around 600 goats. Cemil Choban is an unusual shepherd in the Bodrum district of Mula province as he takes his drone with him every morning and rides his motorcycle around to herd goats in this rural area. He's 41 years old and he uses the drone to check on its herd when it's dispersed over a wide area. Now, the article doesn't go into a lot of details in on what type of drone he's using. I would really like to know. I'd really like to know if he has an official drone permit because right now, in general, you cannot fly drones in Turkey without a permit. A lot of people do, depending on where you are, especially in wide open spaces outside the cities. A lot of people do, a lot of tourists do. Technically, you're not allowed to. Technically, you do need a permit and you can only get that permit if you're a Turkish citizen. Just throwing that out there. If you want all the laws and you want all the registration forms and all that, that is available in my DroneMate app, which is available on iOS and Android. But I would be curious what kind of drone Jamil is using. I'd be interested to know does he have permission? And I'd like to know if you see one of your goats wandering. I don't. I don't know anything about. I mean, do you just. I guess you drive out there and bring him back. The goat. 
I don't I don't know the the, the sh I don't know how shepherding works. I just know you try to keep your animals keep your flock near you, I guess. Um, but a drone is kind of a very useful way actually to get a really high up angle and to be able to see things that that you wouldn't otherwise be able to see or as he notes in the article that, you know, before I would have to go around with the motorcycle and try to find a missing, you know, a missing goat or something, which seems really very difficult. But if you've got that high up angle, easier to find them. But that was a really cool, interesting uh, use of a drone. Kind of nice, kind of a nice story. Uh, but moving on to the final thing that I want to talk about today is some good news, uh, something that I that is really touching in a way, something that's nice to hear about the internet. I think a lot of times we hear about YouTube and the internet and we go, Oh yeah, it's nothing but nothing but bad things happen there. Now, I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere on the internet, but um, I don't know if you've heard about this mukbang. I don't know if you know what it is, but essentially mukbang is a Korean word for eating. Let me see if I can find that. Essentially the word for eating show. Yeah, that's what it is. Eating show. Mukbang videos, the way they work. Starting in Korea in about 2009, is um, you basically eat on camera. Typically you eat large amounts of food, but you just eat in front of camera and talk. That's, there's like a whole genre of mukbang videos that are very, very, very popular. You have people eating all sorts of stuff. And originally it originated because, you know, my understanding is in, in Korea, eating alone is considered um, it, it sucks. It's just not, people, it's not desirable. People don't want to eat alone. So these mukbang videos came up as sort of a way, I think, to make people feel like they weren't eating alone because you have this person on, online that you're eating with, sort of, when you watch these videos. Well, mukbang is all over the world now, and it's also in India. Now, there are these two channels that I came across through an article on the BBC, and it talks about how... Um, women there are now able to make a career in India and make good money doing mukbang where they might not have had the opportunities before. According to this article in the BBC, these women are able to find a route to financial independence as well as challenge the country's social conventions around women's behavior through their mukbang videos. The two channels that they mentioned that I came across, one is called Food Plaza and the other one is called Tamil Foodies. Tamil Foodies has 800 and 16,000 subscribers on YouTube. I will leave a link to them in the show notes. And they eat all kinds of stuff. Pringles versus Lay's. I'm just looking at their most recent videos. Solid versus liquid food challenge in Tamil. Epic 100 layers of food challenge. Epic mystery, a lot of epic. Epic mystery food challenge in Tamil. Their most popular video is epic chocolate eating challenge in foodies. My second, fourth birthday celebration. This looks like their kids are there biggest South Indian non-veg meals in the country, chicken eating competition, so on and so on. Now, the channel has a total of 247 million views. This is Tamil Foodies. Now, I don't know what their CPM is. Essentially, CPM is click per meal. It's the amount of money that YouTube pays you for a thousand views. That's how the system works. You know, in tech videos, that can be up to like $20, $25. Other videos can be as low as a couple dollars. But assuming they've made, it seems like they've made a lot of money. Uh, 249 million views. Yeah, it's going to be a good amount of money, especially 
in India. I'm not going to venture and cal- try to calculate what the, what how much they're making because I don't know what their CPM is, and I don't know you know other ways that they're monetizing. But it's a good amount of money. We'll just put it that way. And basically, on the Tamil Foodies page, Divya Raj Kumar from Tamil Nadu, which is in the south of India, eats, and you can watch her eat all sorts of different foods from. Well, like I mentioned, all sorts of different foods, and that's pretty much it. You know, there's a little commentary, there's a little bit of talking and explanation, and she often has guests like her kids and her husband. Uh, but that's what it is. And then the other one, Food Plaza, is very similar. It has a lot of similar videos, eating large amounts of food in front of camera, talking with certain guests, and that's basically it. You know, uh, but I think that's cool. I think it's a cool way that. The, you know, YouTube and general, the internet allows you to connect with people online. And it's also a good way to learn about different foods. I personally don't like watching people eat. I find it, I don't know, not, not cringy, but like, like that chalkboard on nails on chalkboard sensation. I don't know why. It's just not my thing, but uh, the videos are cute. I, I recommend you check them out. Maybe get some recipe ideas or things to eat or places to visit or, you know, for types of regional food in India. There's all kinds of mukbang from all over the world. I'll leave a link in the description. And speaking of YouTube, right now we are, the Fox Nomad channel is very close to 10,000 subscribers. It would be amazing if you could head over there and be one of those subscribers if you're not already subscribed. Just click the subscribe button. But uh, I feel like that's, it's, it's, a time or it's a good reason for a giveaway but what I do want to do a giveaway for and you've been waiting for it if you if you see me on Twitter but last week the Fox Nomad podcast thanks to all of you hit the top 200 in tech on Apple podcasts in North America which is amazing to me I'd like to do a little giveaway just a little hundred dollar giveaway planning on some larger ones coming up toward uh, toward the end of the year, I've got some bigger ones, but we'll just do a $100 giveaway this time. It's simple rules. All you have to do is give five stars to the Fox Nomad podcast and write a re- little review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Take a screenshot and then email it to me, podcast at foxnomad.com, and I will pick one person at random and I will send you $100. You have, this is, uh, when is going to go out? This is going to go out on April 16th. So let's say a week from now, you have until April 23rd to send that to me and I will pick one at random using random number generator. Pick one of those entries and send you $100 that you can use for whatever you want. Maybe you want to buy some buy some food for a mukbang. I don't know, but uh, there you go. And uh, thank you again. Thank you again, all of you, for all of your support. I'm uh, excited about every episode. I'm looking forward to what's coming up. Just a lot of things in motion right now, and uh, I can't wait to share all of that with you. But for right now, we are at the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.